You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York room. Brian. Scott. I'm coming to you from a different location today. I see that. Yeah. Look at you in the lap of luxury. The lap of absolute luxury. Uh, <laughs> just a little dishwasherless cabin up in the, up in the Poconos. Uh, you know, it's also, it's like, what a loser I am to complain about not having a dishwasher. How could I be expected to live? I think that's a real complaint. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah Dishes no, are like, awful. They're the worst. Right. And we basically came here to cook. Like, the number one feature of the place was more or less, like, a kitchen that Nicole can feel free to operate and roam in and make us delicious meals. And now dishwashing has become a thing. Right. I mean, it's one thing if you were really looking to rough it or something, but it's like there's a dishwasher in there, too. It's just not working. Right. And I can also, and I don't think this is going to surprise you at all, but I don't think there's ever, there's been a single day in my near 40 years on this earth where I've been looking to rough it. Right. That's, that's never been the goal. Like, right. I know what you mean. Life's rough enough already. Right. <laughs> what do I need to rough it for? Also, just generally, I'm not a camper. Not super yeah. outdoorsy. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. mind the outdoors, but, like, controlled outdoors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I like to be in control and you of the, my environment. And you two are in the wilderness, so to speak. I'm you... also in the wild. Yeah, we've actually been dealing. We had a broken pipe up Ooh. here that we had to contend with. Um, and our, our neighbor uh, helped us fix it. Which is always emasculating. <laughs> he's he's like what you'd call like a um, a man, I guess. Right. Is what... <laughs> and I, of course, being a small boy, um, he had to help me fix the pipe, which was good. Um, so we've been dealing with that. We went skiing, which oh. was fun. A no, day I saw took that. the kiddos. Yeah. Can I? That's you know cool. what? I gotta say, it was like a real turning point in having kids. This was like the first, it was actually fun. You know what I mean? Uh -oh. It wasn't like um, parenting fun where you're like, yeah, that was nice. I didn't hate that every second of it. You know, right. <laughs> it was genuine fun. My kids, you know, they're at an age, they both could ski, both got down the mountain. I was skiing. I was just skiing with my children. It was delightful. Yeah. That's always nice too because. I feel like skiing is can also be hit or miss. Like, I, I enjoy skiing, but there are a lot of times where I feel like the effort of skiing far supersedes the fun of skiing. Absolutely. But if, if it's the double whammy of, oh, your kids are enjoying it and they're engaged, it's like, it's not just good, for the, good to have kids, but it's also good for skiing. And they were into it and they could do it. So I wasn't like... It right. wasn't just a hellscape of like, no, okay. You know, it was like they were doing it. And then I was just behind them, like, you know, just making sure nothing terrible happened. Right. Um, but so that was, so it was great. And it was like, well, this is, this feels like a turning point in life. Right. Almost like <laughs> a real family. Like the memories you remember from a kid, like, oh, this is what it'll be like when I have kids. And it's yeah. usually nothing like it. But then when it is, occasionally, that's amazing. Right. This is nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's Almost awesome. Made worth having both of these <laughs> almost made this all worth it going back for a second to fixing the pipe now so this guy was just helping when you say he helped you you mean he fixed it yes okay well because i just i crack you know those progressive commercials where there's that guy who tries to help you not become your parents yes well first of all not always a, like you know commercials are always pretty universally stupid even during the super bowl like i hate people who are like i'm gonna watch the super bowl for the commercials why? Right. Why yeah, would commercials. you do that? Just yeah. don't watch the Super Bowl at all. Watch a show you enjoy and just never care about the commercials. Right. Watch that I, a film. Right. Just watch a movie. Don't watch the Super Bowl for the commercial. Whatever you do, don't do that. Yeah, That's a yeah, huge waste point. of your time. Yeah. But I do enjoy those progressive commercials. I think they're legitimately very funny. And one, of my, one of my favorite uh, little bits is when the guy is like talking to the plumber that's working under his sink and the guy goes... You're not assisting him. You hired him. 
Right. <laughs> I, I'd be like, I need that advice constantly. Right, right. <laughs> You're just sitting there with, like, holding the tool, like, yeah, so what do you think? What's it look like? <laughs> right. Well, anytime I pay a real man to come into my home and fix something, I feel like my punishment has to be to, like, watch him and be his, like, be subservient to him. Apprentice. And th- and, right, that's my penalty for not ever learning how to do it yeah. myself. But that's the right idea. It's like, well, I've hired you. I have the money to pay you to do right. the job. I should have some pride in that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I really like that commercial. This is helping me get over <laughs> that insecurity. So, you know, we're having our windows replaced in our uh, in our apartment. And when the guy came to, like, measure the windows, I didn't just follow him around the whole time. Just, like, watching him. And I was like, it was very intentional. It was very oh, much like, broke. I'm not, right, I'm not assisting this man. I could measure the window. I did measure the windows. I gave him the measurements. He has to do it. I'm not right. assisting you. He's here to do a job. Let's let him get, get on with it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Well, Brian, now that we've dispensed with the gallantry, <laughs> let's let's talk about the New York Knicks and their huge win last night against the Hawks. So we're out, you know, the audience knows should know by now. We've uh, recorded this on Tuesday. So last night, Monday night, uh, our beloved New York Knicks uh, defeated the Atlanta Hawks in fairly convincing fashion. And that's a big win. That's like an on our level team that's good. They have good players. And that is a win. Agree. That's like the kind of game you got to start winning. There's like beating the bad teams, being competitive against the good teams, and then these are the teams that like determine whether you are good or bad, whether you can beat these teams. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if I should talk about the Knicks. I feel like I'm I've been so wrong about everything. <laughs> They're grotesquely wrong about their trajectory that I don't um, know. But I mean, like it was awesome. You know, Julius Randle, like. I mean, he had 44 points on 22 shots. I know. Like, that's incredible. That's unbelievable. I, <laughs> I feel like people are still, it's like still not um, sinking into everybody, like how mu- how good this guy is and how much that sort of changes everything, you know? Like, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of interesting, too, when it, when you think about, like, the narrative for so long has been, why won't a great player just come save the Knicks? If you come save the Knicks, you will own New York, and then if you own New York, you'll own the NBA. Like Julius Randle should own New York in the NBA right now. It's unbelievable right. what this guy's doing here in New York. You're right. And I wonder, I mean, it, it's like, yeah, it doesn't seem to be. It's still people are just like, he's still Julius Randle. It's like, yeah, every time you hear people talk about him, I just feel like it's like, yeah, boy, he's having a heck of a season, but like, you know, it's like the whole thing about the All-Star game. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't care that much about whether he makes the All-Star game. Like, there's definitely this weird movement afoot. I know. Um, to get him into the All-Star game. But it is, every time I do hear somebody talk about, like, like a writer, you know, I've seen it in a few places where they're leaving him off. It is always, like, some nonsense about why they're doing it, you know? And it's like, it always comes down to just, like, he's Julius Randle. And like, I just don't feel like I can like call him an all-star and you're like, no, but he like, there's nothing he's not doing well. Absolutely. And I think the all-star argument, like I get where maybe you want to see this from Julius Randall for the complete season or, you know, more than one season to like, know that this is how he can compete consistently. And you kind of get that a lot in sports with guys who are late bloomers. It's like hard to trust it. You know, it went with like kind of a guy like him. But if we're talking about the all-star game, which is, or at least in theory, is supposed to be just a measure of the season that we're in, there's absolutely no chance he's not an all-star. Right. Yeah, right. It's like if if you're like having trouble getting on board with like him, that this is who he is forever. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, There's chaos in the There's some squealing, yeah. (laughs) Um, they're very excited about my Julius Randle takes um, <laughs> in the Demena household. Um, but, like, yeah, if you just look at this season, it's like, what? What else would you need to see him do? Like, um, would, like would the Knicks with the Knicks without Julius Randle, are we the worst team in the league? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> what, would we, what would happen? Right, we would just have no good players. We, we would have, have zero good players, right. And last night, too, felt like, he leveled up 
I mean, just like just stats aside, even I could like you know the the stats themselves of forty four points on twenty two shots. That's incredible. But like every time he took a three, I thought no shot that doesn't go in. That's going right, in right, for sure. Right. It was just like a next. You didn't even think that was possible. Right. Right. No, and it is like any. If you've been waiting all season for some kind of regression, and it's just not coming. It just never happens. Every guy, even when he doesn't have a great game, you look up when it's over, and it's like twenty-five points, twelve boards, seven assists, and you're like, "Oh, he wasn't that great," you know. And it's like it's just every night the guy is incredible. So, make the case then why, like, why we shouldn't just assume he's putting up these numbers because. He's on a team that's not that good. Well, I guess it's like you could make you the the only way you could make that argument is like if um, the team wasn't playing well, but yeah, like that's right. the team is winning, you know. And so it's like what that's the point of playing well is to win games. Like right. the only time you can make that argument is like you know you'll see you definitely see guys on losing teams put up good numbers, and you're like, yeah, but who cares? Like. It's it is the difference between winning and losing for the Knicks. So right, um, it's not empty stats at all. You know, like I remember like the David Lee years when he was double doubles, twenty tens yeah, every game, that's and you're a great just example. like, yeah, but this is like meaningless. And he even like was a decent assist guy. Like it just felt always felt like empty stats. You know, like um, this does not feel like that. Like no, that's so true. And we have pretty much a direct comparison, right? Like. Last year, Randall wasn't very good, and the Knicks were terrible. This year, Randall's better. The Knicks are much better. Like, it's clear. Right. He is lifting. He's the water that's lifting the whole boat. Like, Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so exciting. I mean, the Knicks, man, I'm like, I'm spending most of my days. I feel like anyway, we've been, obviously, off, side, off the show. We talk a lot about the Knicks, but they are <laughs> occupying so much of my brain right now. Totally. And, but in this way of, like, all the excitement, and all the fear and just like (laughs) what they should do. And I don't know, you know, like it's almost like there's too many possibilities with the Knicks right now. Like, and and then I guess it's like, maybe you don't even need, why am I doing that to myself? It's just like my nature. I just start ruminating. It's like, just enjoy it. Let's take the next game. Maybe they win the next game, but you just can't help but like get ahead of yourself of like, should they trade this guy? Should they trade that guy? Like they have, they are in the position the first time I can remember in forever where they could do anything. Like, they have all the pieces. If they want to make a big blockbuster trade, they absolutely have the, you know, I hate using this term for sports, but they have the assets, as as the smart sports folks like to say, to make any deal they wanted, you know? They also could just keep developing what they've got. They've got this, like, nice young core, and they could just try to add via the draft. They've got the picks if they want to do that. Like, they're going to have some cap space if they want to bring guys in. You know, it's just like, it's too much. It's like choice anxiety. You know, I feel like I'm in a store and I'm like, it's like watching my son when I take him to the toy store and he can't even handle it. He's like, I want all of that. And he <laughs> just doesn't want to make that. He don't want to make, he doesn't want to make the wrong choice. And he's like, I like those Legos, but I want that, you know? And it just feels like, I don't know what they should do or what they're going to do, but um, they couldn't be set up better, you know? Absolutely. And I think, I guess it's the, the, the most promise or, or what really soothes, because I, I think everything you said is 100% right. I totally agree with everything. I think what's comforting me is I'm actually, like, if, you if one year ago today you would have told me the premise of the discussion that we're having right now, I would have just been like, well, <laughs> the worst thing that the, that could happen to the New York Knicks is to be in a spot of limitless possibility. That's right, just the right. absolute nightmare scenario. You can tell. I would rather we have no options or one option than limitless options. Right. And yet, I think we're fine, actually. Right. Like, I, I don't think you could go wrong. And like we were saying earlier, so let's go through. I think right now, the options that we, for the most part, no, we're on the table. Are just do nothing, finish out the team, finish out the year with the team as is, go into the off season and either use both our picks or you know trade or or whatever. Uh, the other option is trade for Bradley Beal, 
And then the other option is trade for Victor Oladipo. Like, those are the three major things that are kind of floated out there. Why don't you go ahead and rank them in the order? Let's first rank them in the order of what you think, what you would want. I don't know. You know, I just gotten so risk averse and like the team is so young and fun. Like there's definitely part of me that's just like, let's just keep going with what we got here. Like, um, like, won't it be so exciting? Like, let's say this year continues on the trajectory it is and they, but they lose in the first round of the playoffs or something. Um, but we come back next year, like quickly in a second year, Randall, you know, now a solid all-star. Now another year of RJ, another off season, working on his game. Another season of Mitchell Robinson working on his game. Two new draft picks, you know, like maybe Obi Toppin. Now he's improved. He's gotten his feet wet in the NBA. Like maybe he's figured out what his role is. Like you could that could be super fun, you know. Um, on the other hand, like I could definitely see the Knicks, like. You know, and again, we talked about it before. Like, I just don't have a good feel for the people who are running the Knicks and like what they think. But I could definitely see them looking at the Bradley Beal thing, and and now you do have Randall, who is basically an All Star. And now, if you brought Bradley Beal on the team, now you have two All Stars and a good center, and still some cap space to like add some more pieces to that. You know, like and and you could probably find a trade where you get to keep a quickly or. Um, some of these other young guys you have. So I, that's, I get that seems appealing. <laughs> you know, I could totally understand that though. That would, you know, that probably would mean trading somebody like RJ Barrett, which would be sad. And it, it, it would be deeply sad. Um, mostly sad. Yeah. But also like I could, you know, I get it. I get it. Like there's still a lot of unknowns there. Um, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really, like, I like, I really have no idea. I don't know which one is right or what I even want to have happen. Like, it all feels like promise and peril. Um, like, I don't know. Where are you with RJ? Like, RJ Barrett, it's like on some level, some of his improvement is just like more, like a couple more playing like four or five more minutes a game. Like if you look at his, his numbers, but then it's like, you do see the real, like some of his shooting percentages are up just the way he plays. He just seems to be so much, you know, more in control and like his three point percentage is inching back up. And that was, and that's after like a crazy slow start. So it's actually like, he's shot it pretty well from three for like a month and a half now. And like, you start to realize he's 20 years old. If you look at other guys, like, you know, he's not going to get to be like a LeBron or a Kawhi or a Kevin Durant. But like, you start looking at that next tier of like Paul George Jimmy Butler, like those types of guys, like his trajectory, like for a 20 years old to play as well as he is, like he does kind of follow those. So like, I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll say, I don't know. Like what, where are you? I, so I guess if I was ranking it in order of what I wanted, I want them to do nothing. I want yeah. them to hold Pat for as long as they can. Or I guess I would say, I don't want them to do nothing, period, but I just don't think there is enough out there right now that entices me enough to, like, I feel like we have to act. Because I, yeah. think, I think you're right. Like, I mean, RJ, I, my whole perspective on RJ has shifted since we spoke about it, like, a few podcasts ago, maybe, like, a month ago or whatever. But it's just like I've started to notice how big he is, and he's so strong, and he's not even a man yet. Like, yeah, when you see his face sometimes during the games, it's, I always start laughing. It's like yeah, yeah. he looked like a little boy. Like, <laughs> right. if you only looked at his face, you might assume he's fourteen and still right, in junior right. high. And then it's on top of like a man's body, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that also, like, maybe his face deceives me, but. I just feel like he hasn't even figured it out yet. Like, he doesn't even yeah. know how to use his strength yet. And by the time he does, and he really knows what he's doing with his body, like, yeah, I think he is going to be awesome. And, right. you know, Randall, I don't want to give up. Mitch, I don't want to give up. Quickly, I don't want to give up. And then you start to think about all these guys you don't want to give up. And, like, what's the point in rooting for the team? Because you said it before, too. It's so yeah. hard to win a title in the NBA. Like, it's almost, like, silly to even think about what the team needs to do to become that so then if if you kind of recognize how difficult winning a title is what do you want i want to love the team 
I want yeah. to like turn on the TV and love the guys that I'm rooting for. And that's what I have right now. And that's why I do feel like I'm not in such a hurry to lose my mind over what Tibbs is doing or what trade we're going to make or why I've like, for the first time, I think in like 20 years, I've felt patient about the Knicks because I'm like, I just like who we are. And yeah, I just, yeah. I'm like, cool just to be in it where we are, <laughs> you know? And then to me, the second best thing they could do would be trade for Beal, basically for the reasons that you said. Like, of course, I wouldn't give up anything for it, but RJ and whatever the market value of first round picks and swaps that are necessary to get Beal. Like, as long as we're not going way over market to get him, then whatever it costs, fine. Like, yeah, yeah. Because then you, right, you have Randall, you have Beal, you still have cap space, and you still have human beings that we refer to as assets. So, like, that's, we're, we're now, like, it, we're now one player away from actually being in the mix for a title, and yeah. we're the type of team that could realistically attract the one player away that we are so i think if you have the chance to get beal you do it and if that costs you rj that'll be rough because too well he'll be in washington so it's yeah. not like we'll never see him again and that would be rough but you know if the team ends up awesome and it's like still a core that you love then whatever you gotta do yeah it. yeah and, th and then to me i just think oladipo is it's just like such a nothing like just don't do anything if you're gonna do oladipo yeah he, yeah he doesn't make you better enough and he's a guy that's gonna you know he's playing for a contract so he's gonna want to get his numbers and get his minutes and get his shine and that's just gonna take away from other guys where i don't think he improves us so much like i think we can make the playoffs without him and if that's the case I want RJ to get those playoff minutes. I want quickly to get those playoff minutes. Or not even minutes, but like the usage rate or time with the ball or yeah, shots yeah. that I just don't want to give away to a guy who's a hired gun who we may not keep, who is going to be a free agent anyway. It just, just makes no sense to me. Just don't do it. Yeah, though I could see, I, uh, you know, our friend of the show, Matt, said, you know, I could see him sliding into the Alfred Payton role and being the point guard of the starting unit. And if you did, if you could get him without giving up anything, it could end up being like a Derrick Rose trade for the starters, where um, it you know it bolsters that unit. And you know, again, I don't know what it would take. To, I really have no sense of what it would take to give him up. So I'd have to like see the trade. Like I wouldn't give up anything of value. But if you could do like a like some kind of like, you know, we I know we have one second round pick that's like almost a first rounder. If it was like Knox and that pick, like you know, I could, I could, you could, you could convince me to do that, because um, he probably would make us a little bit better. And if you if you made him the point guard of the of the starting unit, he, he has a lot of similar skills of Alfred Payton. He's just a little bit better than him. Um, so I could see that, but well, I'm kind of with you that like, it's not a move I'm really looking to make. Like, and not for any real and i wouldn't give up anything real well right and i agree with you he would make us better but i guess the question is like how much better does he make us it's like yeah the, the first round instead of getting swept we go to five or six like, yeah probably like right if it's if that's it we don't need to give up anything or yeah you know and again i'm not even worried about what we'd have to sacrifice to get him on the team it's what we would sacrifice once he was here that I just feel like there's not enough value in the in terms of the amount we would improve. Yeah. Though I could see him sliding into that role. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I was, this is like, I we're on the opposite. I was like, that's how I felt about Derek Rose. I just thought he was going to like, yeah, that's uh, true. but I've been shocked at, and I'll tip of my cap. I was totally wrong. Like I can't get over how the way he's just like blended in and he's just like how well he and quickly have played together. Like, I know um, they really unlock each other. It's they have incredible. such a feel for each other. Of yeah. how, like my turn, your turn. Like they've been so great at. Um, like I wouldn't. I couldn't tell you which who's playing the one and who's playing the two. Like they yeah. play off each other so brilliantly, and so that's been stunning. And he shares the ball so much more than he did the first time we had him, when he was just not a willing passer at all, and he's shooting threes, you know, more than he did the first time we had him. Um, so he's been great. Um, that was, uh, he's been awesome. <laughs> what does your living room sound like every time the Knicks hit a three? 
Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't even contain my reactions anymore. Three-point shots are so high stakes for me. Anytime, yeah. anyone, doesn't matter who on the team takes the shot. Every time it's a three, I'm like, Argh. I know. Don't you feel, too, like, early Knicks threes, like, tell the whole story of the game? Yes. Like, if Reggie Bullock hits his first three-pointer, I guarantee, I feel like we're undefeated. Right. When that <laughs> And if RJ, if RJ, when RJ hits his first three-pointer, you're like, well, this team is in trouble. Look out, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I know, right. We are right. You know who we are right out the gate. Immediately. Like, not even just with the threes, just across the board. Like, does somebody foul, right, on our first first possession? It's just, it's always something. You know right off the bat what team has shown up that night. Yeah. I will say the Knicks haven't had, like, a stinker in a while. And that was, like, what was really making me, I think, more antsy at the start of the year. Was, like, we would we would look good, and then we would lose, like, three in a row in hideous fashion. You know, where you were like, oh, man, maybe we're terrible. You know what I mean? And we haven't done that in a long while. So you're, you're willing to give uh, Tibbs a little, little room now? I am. I am. Although, <laughs> he's still, man, he's insane. <laughs> I did love, I loved that he, he, he closed, as he has a few times, I will acknowledge, he sometimes will use the last, like, he'll use crunch time as, like, all right, who's playing well? Yeah. So, like, the whole game, everything is by his script, and then the last five minutes, he, does, he will allow for, like, okay, these, this unit's playing well. And I loved that he did it last night with Rose and quickly um, closing with that was, like, that was very nice. Um, and he had Obi and Randall out there Obi together. Obi and Randall played together, although only because they had seven fouls among <laughs> their, their two starting centers. Um, you know, look, it still drives me a little just bananas. <laughs> like, can't we just try? Could we just tinker? But, but there's no doubt that he feels very strongly about what he's doing. It's totally clear what he's doing. So, and it's working. So as long as it's working, how can you really, like, I get what he's doing. He believes in it strongly. And maybe he's right. (laughs) Brian, Tibbs comes to the garden, you know, every night that we have a game. And he sits down and he looks at that menu. And he sees all the treats on the menu. But my (laughs) God, that cheeseburger is there. And who doesn't order the cheeseburger? Right, right. He just... (laughs) Right, he knows what he wants. He knows what every how everything should piece together. He knows what he where he wants to put the fries, yeah. where he wants to put the ketchup. <laughs> he knows how it's gonna all fit together on that plate, and he's not making any changes. No, no, he does. He knows what he's doing. You know? And then I come along. I'm like, hey, have you tried a pickle? He's like, get that, get the pickle. They <laughs> <laughs> have really good pickles here. Get the pickle off my plate. <laughs> right. What was it? Actually. We were at my parents' house uh, last night. We stopped on our way out here. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We have this... My college girlfriend was forced me to eat olives. I said I don't like them. I don't want to eat them. She didn't believe me. She thought everyone has to love olives. She forced me to eat an olive. And I hated it, as I knew it's I hated super it. super acquired taste, yeah. And... And, like, it didn't hit me right as it was happening, but I realized years later I have a type because my wife did the same thing to me. Nicole once forced me to eat an olive. She just did not believe I wouldn't like it. And then I ate it. I was like, I hate it. I still hate it. I always knew I hate it. Why do why do the women I choose always keep doing this to me? And, and then we were just at my parents' house, and, of course, you know, there's nothing my father loves more than to get in the mix when I'm getting a hard time. Like, right. he just loves it. So, you know... Haley, my daughter, she likes pickles, and she Haley was talking about how I like pickles, and Mommy likes pickles, but Daddy doesn't like pickles. And then my dad starts laughing, and then he starts making fun of me with my daughter, which is always fun. And then my wife saw this as an opportunity of like, oh, this is all, like, let's force Scott to eat some pickles. Let's make him prove he doesn't like them. I want to know, when's the last time you had a pickle? <laughs> like, right. I know you say you don't like them, but when's the last time you tried one? Maybe you like them now. Eat a And then they tried to, all three of them were trying to bully me into eating a pickle, and I don't want a pickle. <laughs> and neither does Tim's, and he will start Alfred Payton, because he doesn't want right. your your right. pickle. <laughs> well, I'm going to make him eat a pickle. Kevin Knox <laughs> is a pickle, and I'd like to see him eat the pickle. 
Alec Burks has gone bad, he's gone sour, and it's time to try a tapenade. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is true. I feel right. Who on the Knicks right now is like, it's like rosemary on the French fries. <laughs> like, who is that? It's just like, what are you doing with my French fries? Right. And that is true. It's like truffle oil, right? Like right. Frank, Frank is like the truffle yeah. oil on the fries. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, uh, and it's like, some people are like, it's a delicacy. It's like, it's, you can't even believe how good it is. And sometimes some people are like, no, you just ruined the fry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Made them taste worse and charge me more for them. Right. Why would you do that? Like, no, you don't understand. They're a, an acquired taste. It's a, it's a, it's a delicacy. <laughs> right. Also, if I wanted to eat a delicacy, I'm not ordering French fries. Okay. That's give it to me for Christ's sake. No, I'm going to back off. I still see things I would like to try and, you know, combinations that could be unlocked. And But look, they're they're playing well. Um, they're getting better, seemingly. It's all in front of them. Um, you know, we'll see what they do. Yeah, I, I same thing. I like, I like the Knicks for the first time in forever. I've been a Knicks fan my whole life, but I have not liked the Knicks. In many years. Many years. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. I know. It's exciting when you turn on the TV, you're like, oh, the Knicks. Right. <laughs> right. It's still a real team. Nice to see you. All right. Let me squeeze in a read here. Uh, if you would like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, be sure subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Uh, Alright, Brian, anything else on the Knicks or should we uh, cross over to our beloved G-Men? Well, sure, we'll talk about let's talk a little Giants, even though it's the offseason it's a little slow, but some things are percolating. But evidently, we drafted the best quarter, the second best quarterback in this year's draft. Brian, did you hear about we this? We did. We did. Mel Kuyper Jr. has rushed to Daniel Jones's defense <laughs> and said that if he was in this year's draft, he would be the second quarterback selected after Trevor Lawrence. Head of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, Scott Ishii, your reaction. What? <laughs> I don't know. What did Mel Kuyper have to say about Daniel Jones when we drafted him? I don't recall. I do think he liked him, but I don't know if he where he if he had him ahead of Haskins or behind. I don't recall. Because I mean, so what was he? Was he the second or third quarterback taken that year? He was, I believe, the second. Okay, so Baker went one. And then he came to us at six. No, Kyler Murray went one. Oh, Kyler Murray went one. Okay, yeah. right, 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 right. Of course, okay. Baker right. was take one draft. Right, okay. All right, so yeah. So, you, so that's ridiculous. He's better, he's not better than Justin Fields. He's, he's not better than Justin Fields. I'm sorry, he's not. He's just not. Like, Justin Fields is a runner. Daniel Jones can run, which I think is a big difference. And Daniel Jones's arm and accuracy are not just like, oh yeah, look at that's so much better. <laughs> I just where like, what is that evaluation based on? Many decades of evaluating prospects and uh, Mel Kiper, best in the business. <laughs> so I mean, trusted sage. So I guess then Judge stinks or Garrett stinks. Why do we stink if he's that good? Well, what else did you see? Um, did you see the pro football focus grade of Daniel Jones? Yeah. I don't what do get this. What, like, what's happening right now? What, where's all this, like, what's behind all this, like, out of nowhere positive Daniel Jones stuff? It's just a very odd time for it to start happening. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> What, what happened between the Super Bowl and now where suddenly Daniel Jones became a good quarterback? It's been a reevaluation of Daniel Jones and that if you take the entirety of his uh, his decision-making, 
in the context of the Giants' offense, weapons around him. I, I don't know. It doesn't like. It doesn't make me. It doesn't change anything I believe about Daniel Jones necessarily. I guess it's sort of nice to hear, read a few of these things that like maybe it's not just a prayer. Because it's funny, the Giants have sort of been coming out too. Like Jordan Renan had a report about how like the Giants believe that Daniel Jones can be an upper echelon quarterback or something. And you wanted to be like, yeah, we know you guys. We know right. you guys like right. him. Nobody, right. We know you love him. You love him. He can do no wrong to you guys. We fucking know that. Right. The question is whether that is true or not. And that is a very open question. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm not like... Mel Kuyper is... <laughs> I definitely want to believe that Mel Kuyper is right. So it was definitely a data point of like, oh, <laughs> maybe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I but, feel like... You know, go ahead. No, like, yeah, I don't. I I hear you. I don't know what, where, what to that, what to really hang your hat on about, like, to make that true. Well, it's also right. It, it's forcing me to swing the other way, where I'm like, no, he stinks. <laughs> like, he stinks because he does. He stinks. Okay, I'm sorry. Everything I've seen, I don't care what PFF is grading him at. I don't care. Like, that's nonsense to me. He is terrible, okay? I don't know what BFF is looking for. I look at the games. I watch the games. And I see a person where every time we run a pass play, I don't breathe. And it's like not 100% on him, but he is a pivotal member of that process. Like, you know, I know you don't think the fumbles are a thing. I didn't think they were a thing. And now I think they are a thing. This year convinced me they are a thing. One year when you're a rookie with a terrible line, fine. I'll give you that year. Two years, he fumbles all the time. He doesn't always lose the fumbles, but he is always fumbling. Like, he does fumble a lot. I yeah. agree with you. And just, but I don't he know. He doesn't throw interceptions. He doesn't throw that many interceptions. You know, he cut down a lot on the picks. He did have a very, I think, a good rookie year. I think if you're being fair. He had a pretty promising rookie season. Yeah. Like, is, like, these rook, these guys, I think the point Mel Kuyper was just making is, like, you don't know that much about these two guys either. It's all a crapshoot. In his mind, like, there's no guarantee they're going to be better than Daniel Jones. Like, in the same way that, in the way that Trevor Lawrence is, right? That you feel right. 100% confident of. So if you're the giant, a team like the Giants, it's essentially the same level of roll of the dice if you're going to draft Zach Wilson versus giving Daniel Jones his third season and seeing if he improves. Well, and he gets a whole other year in the system. The second the year in the system. Thank goodness <laughs> for the system. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, would keep him in this horrible system so at least he knows how to play with this terrible offense. I know, I know. Continuity arguments are terrible. Right. Um, Would you ever, like, if you were sending your kid to school and they just were flat out teaching them the wrong, like, math incorrectly. I'm not talking about how parents complain. It's like, oh, there's new math now. When it's really, it's not new at all. It's just math. It's always the same thing. It's math. Right, right. But, like, I'm talking about if they were teaching Nate, like, 2 plus 2 is 22. Wouldn't you be like, well, now we have to keep him in that school because we need the continuity. Like, he already thinks 2 plus 2 is 22. We need to keep allowing him to believe that. No, you never do something so stupid. Why is that the Giants, like, playing here? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I totally agree with you on the new math. I hate people who complain about the new math. Like, who cares? I don't give a shit how they teach the math. Do they? It's like... Well, it's not how I learned math. So what? I, what difference does it make? They do the thing with the, the stacking the tens. I don't know. There's some. I'm sure there's something behind it. Right. Figure there's it some, out. It's figure. it's still elementary school math. It's still really easy to figure <laughs> right. it out. Like group the tens. All right. I didn't do that when I was a kid. But like, sure, whatever. Right. I'm sure there's something behind it. And I don't have any dog in the fight. I don't care how they teach it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It gave me some small bit of solace. <laughs> I can point to that PFF grade and like, hey. Uh, look, at, look at him. Uh, 
you know, some other guy did a thing. There's a pretty good stat that people point to, which is like EPA per play, which is like whatever it is, expected points added per play or something. Yeah. And it's, it is a pretty good shorthand for quarterback play. Um, and he, he he tracked it compared to – it's that guy Ben Baldwin. You know that guy? Yeah, on Twitter? yeah, yeah. yeah. He put yeah, it's, it's with the stat. PFF grades to see where, like, production um, most mismatched the PFF grade. And Daniel Jones was, like, <laughs> off the chart of his – his PFF grade was, like, put him in, like, top 15 of quarterbacks. And his EPA was, like, you know, he was down with Carson Wentz and, you know, among the worst. Right. Stinks. Right. <laughs> no, but so it's like, a, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. Because usually they 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 sync up pretty well, the PFF grades and, and EPA. Um, so Daniel Jones isn't doing anything positive on the field, but <laughs> he's doing that nothing in a very sophisticated uh, way. <laughs> well, we'll all be looking forward to that. <laughs> I can't wait. To watch games next year and He's appreciate the sophistication. positive, but <laughs> in a very competent way. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Who was I listening? I was listening to somebody on a podcast. Like, uh, oh, maybe it was Warren Sharp. You know, like the gambling guy. Um, and he was talking about how it, it's just you can't uncouple quarterback performance and offensive coordinator they are each other any evaluation of the quarterback is an evaluation of the coordinator and vice versa and that is really and you know look i'm obviously if if there's even an opportunity to 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 spin something as it's jason garrett's fault i am that is catnip for me but i feel like how else do you explain it like if he has like a terribly low uh expected points added which i think is very mathematical and situational and and game relevant and that's one thing and then the pff grade is really if you can correct me if i'm wrong but that's mostly film analyzation by guys who like watch and break down the actual film so i the way that i would be able to explain a high pff grade of like looking at his mechanics reads launch you know all that kind of stuff and then one is a little more like kind of advanced stats based i would explain that differential as the coach right yeah. or as as the play caller it's like yeah you're not adding expected points because we don't score points because our strategy is horrendous well you might be a good quarterback right i mean i think that it, that's that's like the best thing you could say for daniel jones right it's like he's executing the offense as called and the offense stinks and you know he's doing his part but um it's not working. So, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that gets us anywhere, right? We're still stuck with, with both of those guys, so it sort of doesn't matter. What do you um, think? What are you reading into the Freddie Kitchens promotion? I don't know. What, 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 what was that? He got promoted to what? Well, I mean, it's being reported. You would never know if, if, if the report itself didn't say it was a promotion. You'd never know it was a promotion, but I guess he went from tight ends coach to special offensive special assistant or some silly title that like has not existed prior. But so he doesn't work with the tight ends anymore. His new title is special offensive assistant, which I think sort of means we're not allowed to fire Jason Garrett because of whatever the Maras seem to owe him. But, but we're going to castrate him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we're going to castrate him with Fredward Gitchens. I don't think that's his real name, but it's his real name. <laughs> like, Fredward Gitchens. <laughs> but I think that, that that is Judge being like, all right, fine, I'm not allowed to fire Jason Garrett because he hasn't gotten a head coaching job, and spoiler alert, never will. Fine. He'll stay the offensive coordinator, but Fredward is really in charge of the whole thing. That could be. I mean, it, there was reports too that Judge like was getting really involved with the offense, and Garrett didn't love it, and blah blah blah. You know, like so. I don't know. I, I, I think that situation is definitely still yet to play itself out. Um, 
what do you think the Giants are going to do in the uh, in the off season? To, do you think they're going to add a lot of offensive stuff? Like, do you think the draft they're going to go? Uh... I mean, they kind of have to, but it's it's really hard to say what'll be there at eleven. You know, yeah. like even last year, last year was supposed to be like the receiver draft, and all these receivers got taken so late. Like the Cowboys ended up with what's his name from Oklahoma, right? Like that. C. D. Lamb, yeah. Yeah, that menace is running around now. So, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I, I saw a Daniel Jeremiah mock draft today that had them taking an uh, edge rusher from Miami, whatever that kid's name is. Um, and, like, I don't know. Because I also saw Jordan Renaud tweet, like, you know, also keep it. Basically the same message he had last year, which was keep in mind, the Giants have just started to rebuild. Don't have expectations for them this year. And it's just like, first of all, I do have expectations. I mean, I expect they will have a terrible season. But I think it's absolutely fair to crush them for it. Because I don't subscribe to the rebuild just started. I, I don't agree. I also, right. I don't, like, what, what is this, like, who in the NFL took, like, a slow pace? Like, I, why does it take, like, three years to rebuild in the NFL? Like, you add, a, like, 10 to 15 new players, like, every season. Like, why right. can't you get good quick? Like, I, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Well, we have so many positions in need. It's like, then get who we need. Like, right. I, I, I just, Why? Like, we've been doing it for two, like, at least two years. Like, at, at, even if you're, like, you know, saying that Gettleman 2018, like, you're saying doesn't count, which I think is flawed. Like, he still had, this is the third year, no matter how you slice it, of, like, the rebuild if when it started in earnest. Why would it? Why would I not expect? I'm not expecting to win the Super Bowl, but like, if they're not pretty good next year, then it's a total failure. Absolutely, and, and I think don't you think Leonard Williams perfectly encapsulates the Giants' process, like taking a really long time and an excruciating process to get to an inevitable conclusion. Feels like <laughs> the Giants' way recently. Like, I mean, you know, Leonard Williams, the Julius Randall of the Giants player I hated most, becoming player I loved most. Right. But, like, you know, with him, trade for him when you don't have to, then franchise tag him. Now you're going to have to overpay him no matter what. And it's like, yeah, but you guys like him now, right? Well, yeah, but I really still think that this was a ridiculous way to go about it. And it's like how they're approaching the rebuild. Start it disasterly. Just, like, <laughs> start with a disaster. Claim the disaster doesn't count, even though it does right. count. Just right. It doesn't count anymore. And now we're going to start from the hole we dug ourselves in. But you, as the fan and the media and everybody, you have to pretend that this is where the starting level was all along. And it's like, you know, no, I will not pretend. I'm not going along with the the play that you want me to go along. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I did see somebody suggest they take an offensive tackle, which I thought was pretty interesting because apparently this is like one of the better drafts for tackle in a long time, people are saying. And like that seems counterintuitive. Like it does feel like we got to get like a receiver or tight end or something. But on the other hand, like there's a lot of good receivers and like usually you can get good receivers in like the second round and whatever. And, you know, I know people were excited about Matt Pert, but like, you know, he didn't really blow anybody away and like, Andrew Thomas, you know, came on, but he was a little disappointing. And, like, you could add another really promising tackle. And, like, there's never anything wrong with just, like, building a great offensive line and then going from there. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, that would be interesting. It would be sort of, like, disappointing in some ways because you do, like, as a fan, you just want the, like, fun, shiny object. Um, but if the Giants did something like that, um, that, I, I, that would be sort of smart, you know? Yeah, no, I would have no problem with that. I mean, I guess there's, like, very few positions for us to draft with the 11th pick that would, like, greatly upset me. Which, I guess now, that just all but assures that we're going to get, like, a nose tackle. <laughs> Something that you just <laughs> like, don't expect. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, right. a nose <laughs> tackle. Maybe the Tomlinson replacement. Yeah, like a 11. free safety that's, like, yeah, not yeah. really a ball hawk. Like, right. you know... <laughs> Like, something like that. Back. Right, yeah. But, but I feel like it's hard for them. Like, it's, it's you know, cliche to some extent, but, like, you know, take the best player. Whoever the best player is, take that guy. Yeah. 
So, I, you know, I don't know. I guess, like, the Knicks are on the rise so that I've just, like, I have, I've just, like, lost all faith in the Giants. Like, I just, you know, I'm now at the point with the Giants that I used to be at the Knicks where it's, like, you get zero benefit of the doubt until you do something that pans out to be good. Right. Doesn't it? Not even that it smells or sounds good. It has to, I have to, you have to do something and I have to see that it worked and then you get credit for that thing. But right. prior to it actually working in practice, you get nothing. Yeah. Dave Gettleman. Just. Ugh. He is the you worst. Think of his like Boston accent is so like part of the Gettleman experience. But yes. <laughs> for good and bad, I guess. Mostly bad. I don't like that accent. No. You know, apologies to our Boston fans out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a very aggressive accent, you know? Don't you think? Yes. Oh, of course. I mean, look, yeah. The Northeasterners were aggressive. We're aggressive people. Right. A New York accent isn't exactly modest either. (laughs) Great. Music to your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are all very aggressive accents. Yeah. But... I just can't hear him talk anymore, Dave Gettleman, and just feel like we're in good hands. Well, right, and he has, like, this Trumpiness to him where it's like, oh, you can't take him literally, you, you, but you got to take right. him seriously. It's like, oh, neither. I, I'm like, neither. Right. I don't trust him. Right. I don't like him. He's done a bad job. I'm calling it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know. Again, it's way too early to even really talk about the draft and, like, there's so much that can happen. And, like, I'm I'm surprised to hear guys like Renan still acting like we're so far away. Like, and I, 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 I agree with him. Like, like I'm not – I don't take that much positive out of last season. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I'm not one of those that's like, hey, we almost won the division. It's like we were 6-10. and 10. We stunk. Right. Like, it could have been worse. But I do feel like – a good off season and we, you know, you know, do I trust that we're going to have a good off season? No. But do I feel like if we had one, we could come back and be like nine and seven next year. Like that doesn't seem impossible to me. Right. I mean, that's right. not like crazy. So I get, it's weird to me where he's like, he seems to be, you know, and I hear a lot of guys in the media sort of be that way of like, Hey, they're just starting this rebuild. It's like, I guess I'm not saying they got to go 13 and three next year, but like, I'm not going to sit here if the Giants are five and eleven next year and be like, "Well, we're rebuilding." You know, it's like, no, <laughs> that's that's unacceptable. Right. Like, I absolutely. That's exactly it. Like, there is nothing anyone can say to me that will convince me that I need to be fair to the Giants at this point. Like, right. this is the year I expect to see results, and or as a matter of fact, I don't expect to see results. But like, this is the year the bill is due. Like, yeah, pay the bill or you like. I don't want to hear about a moral victory. I don't want to hear about anything. And I don't want to give you... I'm not even giving them a chance. I am looking forward to week one scrutinizing the offense and Daniel Jones intensely. All right. Like, oh, God. Prove it. Be good. It's going to be a big year, man. Because it's like if all those things... Like if Daniel Jones is terrible, I mean, you are. You're talking about you're firing a GM. You're, you're looking for a new quarterback. Like, oh, man. All just like long like then you're just starting over again it's like oh god like my life is going by me i know (laughs) but that's what's gonna happen like i don't know i i'm in pennsylvania i can mobile bet here i should bet the under i don't know what their win total is right now but i i feel that's how i'm feeling right now before right well we haven't even seen the offseason let's let let's let it play out see who the draft pick is who the signings are Maybe, you know, we're, we're having a different conversation. I hope so, Brian. I hope so. <laughs> All right, Brian, tell me, what's going to happen by the end of this week? Um, let's see. What's going to happen? Um, America will be invaded by a foreign power. No. Wow. No. That's a big week. <laughs> no. Um, no. I, I don't know. I, I think that the the Democrats will announce that there uh, there will be no direct checks 
and they're giving a tax break to everyone's employer in the hope that the employer will give them a raise. And that's going to be the most oh, sensible. God. That's the most sensible path forward at this point. Do you think we'll hear from Trump this week? Do you think he breaks his silence Ooh. in a big way or in a quiet way? Well, I I guess I read. I can't remember. It was yesterday or today? I read that he like he was a, he was going to make a, a statement post impeachment trial, uh, and he didn't. And that's pretty surprising, I feel like. It is surprising, yeah. What is he waiting for? I don't know. I did see some rumblings about, like, a March 4th rally that they're, like, noodling with. That would be some kind of, like... To commemorate the insurrection, or...? Well, and it's, like, something where they're trying to get people to, like, show up for it. And, yeah, it's, like... um... Oh, so another, just another shot at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's do it right this time. Right. Um, get the guns and let's get to the They're going to get Pence this time. They're going right. to actually hang him. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I sure hope. Uh, Is that he really? He's quiet. planning a thing? I, that's what I heard. I saw like Maggie Haberman talking about it. She was saying, though, that part of the reason he's being quiet is because some of these lawsuits are, are starting to ramp up you know the civil suits and other legal jeopardy he's in and that which doesn't still doesn't really seem like his mo to me right. <laughs> to like lay low and uh play his cards that way but that's what she said um i can't believe like who is there anyone gonna be in the republican party that's gonna be like uh oh, mr trump but are you planning like violence again right. or are we gonna keep this one like regular like what's right. the plan Imagine there's just another one. It's just like, boy. <laughs> right. I mean, I there like if the if he's having an event, that's no longer that's never off the table again. You never yeah. has he never has an event ever again where you can assume there will be no violence. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised at the how smooth the inauguration went. I really did think there was going to be more violence and I'm still sort of embracing for like a period of like these kind of like a post office gets bombed in wisconsin and what i i don't know um i mean i, I hope none of that happens and, it, and it's been encouraging that it hasn't but like yeah i don't know <laughs> the thought of him like gathering a bunch of people together for an event is unsettling right but you know most most people are gonna be like that's fine what's fine <laughs> republicans they like it right. they look good they, you see that he's like 2024 he's already wiping away the field in the Republican primary polls. Somebody had a great point, though. Like, he's at, like, 53%, and then Don Jr. is at 6%. And somebody was like, I want to talk to the people who, like, you know what I mean? Like, who support Don Jr. over his father. Right. (laughs) That's true. I like Trumpism, but I like Jr. Right. It's time to move on from Don. The next generation's turn. (laughs) I prefer Don Jr. Like, I want to talk to that. <laughs> I like right. Trump a lot, but it's Jr.'s time. Not it's even Don. Don Jr. prefers Don Jr. Right. Like, I mean, right. Nobody hates himself more. Right. Nobody's self-hatred is more, like, just his self-loathing and inadequacy is, like, p- spilling out of his pores. That guy. And I look, his essence. I, I know the feeling of feeling like a, a fail son and... <laughs> Um, disappointing a father but nobody has it like donnie jr no i mean also your father like never at least that i ever saw indicated to you that you were disappointed i feel like don jr he's very open like i hate you right that's true right i have no respect for you right that's true yeah all right right, uh radio listeners we're out of here uh follow us on social thanks for listening everybody have a great week Bonus time, Brian. Share your deepest, darkest secrets. I have nothing for bonus time. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> the bonus is everyone gets to go home early and no homework today. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I'm on vacation, so I probably should spend time with my family. Yeah. I got a job today. Oh, that's I. That's official. I got the offer today. Hey, congratulations. I start March 1st. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so psyched. Wow. I can't even tell you. Well, this really played out. You know, yeah. if, if you cut out the extremely stressful couple of months in between, then it was really perfect. 
<laughs> oh, it's, I, I mean, it's going to like work out, you know, it's great. Like it's yeah. a good spot. I'm excited about the job. Like it's cool. It's not just like, oh, I got a job. I'm like excited about it. It's going to be like a fun role. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, the money's good and I get, you know, I'm going to get paid two two months for my old company and like it's really great. Are you going to 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 write a personal news tweet? I don't know. I was thinking of doing like a LinkedIn being like I usually roll my eyes at that shit, but like <laughs> I am proud to announce that I have accepted a position <laughs> because it was not that easy. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. Well, you should do it. Right. Why don't I? Why don't I get to do it? Right. Yeah. And like, like you always say, no one's reading them anyway. Right. Nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. Get a couple of likes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, right, have a Brian. good vacation. Yeah. Thanks. You too. All right. All right. See, see you later.